0: Welcome to The Struggle is Real, a podcast by Family Bridges for modern Parents. The Struggle is Real podcast starts in 3, 2, 1. Welcome once again to The Struggle is Real by Family Bridges. I'm Veronica Avila and with me is Omar Ramos. Hi, Omar. Hello,
1: Veronica. Great to be with you and special shout out going out to our listeners today. We've got a special episode dedicated to parents of college students, especially of new students. Mm. We've called it Allowing Your Child to Become an Adol.
0: Oh, goodness. What an interesting and awesome transition. Well, not for everybody. Now, but to talk about this, we're going to welcome our resident expert, Dr. Alicia Laos, clinical psychologist, CEO of Family Bridges, and also co-author of The Struggle is Real. Welcome, Dr. Alicia. Happy to be here.
1: Thanks so much for joining us, as always. And we also welcome special guest, Dr. Gian Jeremy Brink, PhD clinical scholar, postdoctoral fellow from the Family Institute of Northwestern University. Dr. Gian offers therapeutic services to individuals, couples,
0: families, and groups. That's correct. And she's also published several articles and presented at numerous international and national conferences in the areas of family functioning, socialization messages, black family dynamics, and psychological well-being of ethnic minority adolescents and emerging adults. Welcome, Dr. Gian. Thank you for having me. Tell us a little bit about yourself.
2: Well, I'm from the Boston area, Mm. and I am the child of Haitian immigrants. After I went to college away, I got married, and my husband and I moved to Chicago. In Chicago, that's where I did all of my doctoral work at Loyola University Chicago. Most importantly, besides the postdoc that I'm doing now at the Family Institute at Northwestern University, I got two little kids. Ah. Uh, Our kids' names are our son, Mateo, who is four years old, and our daughter, Naya, who is two years old. Oh, wow, young kids. Yes.
1: Now, the transition into college can be exciting for students as they begin the journey of becoming independent and responsible adults. And of course, there's also the fun and the social gatherings and all that. For parents, on the other hand, it can be a challenge, in some cases, a very nerve-wracking experience. Let's start with the first scenario that we have for you guys today. This is called helicopter voicemails.
3: Hi, Seth, my sweet little strawberry. I know we just left you at college a few minutes ago, but I wanted to remind you to keep your doors locked so no one steals anything. Also, lock them at night so no one comes in while you're sleeping. Also, so no one comes in and stares at you, or you while you're weird. Something weird like that. I-, I just want you to be safe. All right. Enjoy your first night staying in the dorms. Hi, Seth, my big cookie on campus. I'm just calling to make sure you're up for your first class. Be sure to make a good first impression in this class and raise your hand, okay? If they ask you for an interesting fact about yourself, maybe mention how you play viola. You are so good at viola! Alright, enjoy your first class. Hi, Seth, my fresh-baked bread. <laughs> just, uh, looking at the woods, thinking about you. Just calling to make sure you remember to eat a balanced lunch. The more colors on your plate, the better. I always made sure you had a well-balanced meal to help you spur your brain and body growth. Keep it going if you want to be as tall as me, okay? Enjoy the cafeteria. Hi, Seth, my little Coca-Cola Casanova. I'm just calling to say that there are plenty of girls out there, but none of them are going to like you if you're stinky. Make sure that you're showering and wearing clean clothes. I will have you plenty of quarters to pay for the washer and dryer, so... You're so good at laundry. Remember how you used to help me fold? Love ya. Hi Seth, my sweet honey in the rock. I'm happy you didn't pick up. It's midnight and you should be in bed sleeping. If you don't sleep, you don't cement the knowledge you learned in the day. I'm, I'm going to trust you being a good student and sleeping snug as a bug in a rug. Oh, uh, your mom is here. Hey. I love you. Hi Seth, my baby carrot. I'm just calling to make sure you're changing your contacts.
0: Oh, my goodness. Okay. Okay, everyone. That was Darren. He's the father of Seth. Now, he left, I don't know, seven or eight voicemails, and that was just on his first night at the dorms. Goodness gracious. What's going on with Darren here, Dr. Laos? What causes this helicopter behavior? It's
4: just the first night. If you are on the listening end and you're like a person and you're just almost feeling the frustration and just you're feeling locked in. Um, But as a dad, what's going on with him? I mean, he's obviously anxious. Mm -hmm. The need of protection. I mean, that's speaking forth volumes. You know, you want your kids to do well and to smell good and the whole thing <laughs> um, <smell> <laughs> so what's what's prompting his behavior is, is obviously that he loves his kid and he, but it's anxiety and he's putting on his anxiety on his kid what it does it, it's almost like you just are being put off by it you know instead of actually probably wanting to reach out when I hear all that what do you want to do? You want to run away from it. Mm-hmm. And so actually what he probably would like is for his son to pick up the phone and call him and check up on him. But what it's probably creating is the opposite. It's let me just run away from it, let me avoid it. And so it's, it becomes a little bit obsessive and very oppressive, if you will, for the other end, for your kids. So as a parent, we need to be mindful of checking in what our own feelings are doing to our kids if we're putting it on them, but it's really about us.
5: Mm-hmm.
1: Now, Dr. Jian, have you ever come across a similar experience at the university? And how does this affect? The student or the students.
2: Definitely. So I also worked in college counseling during my practicums and whatnot. Most of the time I got students who are dealing with other mood disorders, but they're also dealing with their parents being helicopter parents. They oftentimes talked about feeling distance from their parents or putting that distance mm. and feeling stuck in the relationship, not knowing good or productive communication tactics to communicate to their parents that what they're doing is overbearing. It's mm-hmm. a little too much, but then also not really having resources or solutions to moving forward with healthy communication patterns with their parents. So one of the things now at the Family Institute, where I work with mostly families, one of the things I do with parents is have them be aware and identify the emotions that are coming up for them. Mm -hmm. A lot of times they're fearful. They're, as um, Dr. Alicia had talked about, anxious and worried for their child. And so it, it gets them in this rut of this like scarcity mindset. And a lot of times I have them not only identify what is going on for them emotionally, but just taking a deep breath and slowing down
0: mm-hmm.
2: just so you can like be present with what you're feeling, understand how it's impacting you, but then also understand how it's impacting your child and then resolve the relationship. Wow. And then from there, we can talk about the ways that this is impacting the whole family unit this is a shift. This is anxiety producing. You used to do everything for them Mm -hmm. and now they need to figure out to do it for themselves. And so it's a step-by-step process in which we're working with parents to identify and then also equipping them with processing their emotions and tactics to move forward. Wow.
0: Dr. Laos, activities or how can parents get their minds off of this anxiety or just kind of embrace this new transition, this new part of life of their child but also their own. How can they distract. I don't know if if that's the word, distract, or just do something for themselves so they don't feel as anxious as we saw. Well, you know,
4: seven voicemails or 20 texts is too much. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So start there. You know, just stop. You know, tone down the volume of the intensity Mm -hmm. and develop activities for yourself. Perhaps for 18 years or 19 years, you've run around and your children have been your whole world. Mm -hmm. Perhaps you worked, but still they were very consuming. So now that you've got some free time, that they're not there from day in day out how about developing some hobbies outside some things perhaps that you've put on hold mm-hmm. that you wanted to do some volunteer work something else that you can channel some of the energy first of all recognize what the anxiety is and what it's about and then once you're able to look at it and observe it you can determine you know ah, this is just too much and it's over it's overbearing definitely but then you know do create other opportunities where you can channel some of that energy whether it's exercise or whether it's a hobby so it's not just constantly you know the Only thing I have is my kids, and now I'm just desperate that I'm losing them, and I'm just grabbing on, you know, desperately. It's just too much. So if you find yourself leaving seven voicemails, that's a good sign that you know it's just too much. (laughs) Wow, I
0: I have a couple of friends that are in church that have kids that just are going to college. It's first semester, and they felt like that. They're like, "Well, she was my companion, though. I I Mm -hmm. used to take my baby with me to the grocery store. She's far away. She's just here in UIC, but she's so (laughs) far away. Um, how, How am I gonna? How am I gonna do this? And again. it's because they really love them, they care for them, but they don't realize that it's more of that anxiety about them and not their child, necessarily.
4: Yeah, and that's why I think, going back to some of the other podcasts, we want to, you have 18 years with your child, pour on them, but provide opportunities. You know, maybe those adolescent years, you know, those years in pre-adolescence when they become hateful and, you know, difficult and challenging, maybe it's <laughs> it's there for a purpose so we can begin to, you know, create a little bit of distance and, and and a little bit of that is is healthy as well. So if you're finding yourself constantly answering questions for your kids and making decisions for them and they're already entering into the college world, they're going to have a hard time later being prepared to think for themselves, mm-hmm. and make decisions, and, and so then you're going to feel anxious because they're not prepared. Exactly. So how are you going to handle with that anxiety? Well, prepare them to problem solve. Start early. You see your two little children, brother and sister, they're fighting. Think again before you solve that conflict. Why don't you coach them? Help them figure it out for themselves, mm-hmm. and as you do that developmentally across the board, you're going to be confident that you gave them the skills to handle life, and you're not going to feel this sense of desperate anxiety. Oh my gosh, they're not going to be able to handle life. You taught them how to do the laundry, you taught them how to cook, you taught them how to problem solve, so that later on you can have a sense of peace that you've done your part and now they're ready for the world. I love that. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Let's start early.
1: Valuable (laughs) advice, no doubt about it. So we're going to go ahead and uh, move along with our next scene. This is called Don't Tell Me Everything.
6: Well, that's the last of my stuff. Oh, my boy, finally going to college. You know, I loved my college years. Yep. Meetings with professors on the quad. Yep. All nighters in the library. Yep. Reading so much my eyes hurt. Yep. Keg stands. Yep. Yeah. Writing what? the perfect paper. What was that last one? Uh, Reggie, I'm so excited for you to start your college journey. Thanks, Ma. I am too, but. What, what did you just say? Remember to call at least once a week. Of course, uh, every Sunday, but... I want to hear about all your classes, your professors, and the ideas you're learning. I mean, I'm going to be writing papers all day, so I'll have a lot to talk about. I want you to keep me in the loop, but don't tell me everything. What do you mean? You know. What do you mean, Mom? Nah, come on, you know what I mean. I don't. The parties, the girls, the drinking. Whoa, slow down, Ma. I don't mess with any of that stuff. Oh, hey, don't act like I was born yesterday. I know that you went out drinking a few times in high school. How did you know? I didn't, but you just told me. <laughs> God, I hate it when you do that. Uh, oh, I know it's part of your development into becoming a grown-up. I mean... You got into a great school, so clearly you prioritize the right stuff. Thanks, Ma. I never go overboard with that stuff. You know me. I do. You're a good boy with a strong character. Keep it that way. Don't do anything foolish. I won't. And don't act like I just dropped you off at summer camp. This is school, and your main priority is... My education. And education comes in a lot of forms. However, some stuff you're better off seeing in a movie. Or... Not at all. Mom, I'm not going to be doing anything too crazy. I'm sorry I sound worried. It's just, as a mother, you hear about kids going to college and doing drugs with names you never heard of. I'm not going to be doing anything you haven't heard of, Mom. Mm, Nothing I haven't done. What was that? Oh, nothing. I love you, Reggie. Remember that. Sometimes it'll be lonely out here. But just remember, your mom is out there and she really loves you. I love you too, Ma. Now let's grab some lunch before you go. Oh yeah, I can't wait to try this cafeteria. Nothing can beat your cooking, Ma. All right, you give me doozies like that on a weekly check-in and we're gonna have problems. Okay, Ma. All right, so
1: we're back in Mora with her son of Reggie. Mora's very straightforward, Dr. Alicia. She lets her son know what she expects from him, and she asks that he keep her out of the loop of any party info in a very disarming way. Is this a good way to handle the transition?
4: I just, I can't help but like (laughs) Mora. I just, I know she comes a little bit too much, but I just, I like her. Um, I think she just reminds me of the the picture of what a mother is, right? Just Mm -hmm. really be in in the face. I think she's she's letting her son know what's concerning. She's trying to talk to her about Mm -hmm. the issue. She's got her style. Um, Maybe she just went on and on and on a little bit too much, but I like the part that she's at least bringing it up it's hard for that voice, I think, to be ignored. I'm thinking that her son is going to have her little voice in the back. You know, if anything, <laughs> he, he will consciously choose or not to choose to follow through a suit. But I, I would have a hard time forgetting that tone in my ear. So you got to give it to her. At least she's being straight up with her son. Yeah, To some extent. Exactly. She's keeping it real. Yeah. She's keeping it In real. other
1: words...
0: <laughs> now, Dr. Jian, how or what can parents do? As Dr. Elisa was saying earlier, let's start younger, right? But mm-hmm. what can we do to start or to form that foundation of trust and responsibility in kids so that when later on they go into college, you're not so worried about their choices?
2: Mora. Mm-hmm. She comes with good intentions. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she's overwhelming and overbearing with her son. What's the son's name? Reggie. R- Reggie. Reggie. Mm-hmm. But just like the first skit that we just heard, there is an aspect of a fear that's mm-hmm. taking place. Mm-hmm. She's trying to be cool about it, have a bonding experience about her own college experience. But at the same time, she's throwing in the don't you do this and... I know what you've been up to in high school and projecting all of these things and so it's one of those things like she's talking in an indirect manner without actually directing some of her concerns or questions she may have with Reggie. So in working with people like this, I try to facilitate a conversation around what is around that fear and what is it that you don't trust with your child, but then also encourage parents to have a strength-based perspective when working with their children. So You know, encouraging them in the good things that they've been doing, having great grades and being a responsible adult. A lot of times, people are motivated more by the good things that they do Mm -hmm. and the strengths and the skills that they do have to overcome challenges. So, really encourage, as parents dig into that, encourage students to do that. I think also it's really important, along with building the relationship that Dr. Alicia has been talking about, but it's also building a culture of respect. Mm -hmm. So that starts with the conversations instead of telling your son, don't do this, or I'd be upset about if you partied or had these relationships, but have conversations about what is dating like for you? Who are you interested in? Or drinking, you know, what do you see as healthy drinking behaviors? We know that it happens a lot on college campuses, but the more that we can open the lines of mm-hmm. communication between parent and child, I think that would be helpful. Or even just like the changes that might be happening within their relationships. So mm-hmm. I know a lot of parents um, in high school, they check their kids' emails and grades online. They have access yeah. to that. Mm-hmm. But then let's also have the conversation around the changes that may come. Your 19, 20-year-old student might not want you checking their their grades yeah. or uh, their email messages between friends or potential partners and professors. So it's really important that there are boundaries around the relationship in order for us to have a healthy relationship. I also would want to say that even though we know Reggie is still a child in some ways in her, in her mind. It's really important that we have this understanding that just the way that you made mistakes during your college youth, Reggie will also have those. And it's all part of that maturity process and learning from life's lessons. Mm -hmm. I feel like we gain a lot of understanding about ourselves, but then understanding about the choices and decisions that we make. And so in order to really help our children make healthy decisions as parents We're transitioning to this role of like consultant <laughs> rather than the i'm going to do everything for you but really consulting with you on time management safety relationships and so it's really important that we're assisting and helping them make healthy choices and decisions for themselves and sometimes in session with parents and children I help prep parents by saying, helping their children understand that they have skills and information about what's the best decision for me. So even coaching them like, okay, well, how would you make this decision? You know what's best. Mm -hmm. I trust you in this. That will help children feel empowered to make good decisions for themselves and then also use their parents as someone to help them generate ideas or someone to support them in helping them make healthy decisions for themselves.
0: It's very interesting that you say that. I think maybe for, for some parents, the transition into college kind of means your child is not going to be an adult. So talking to them more of mm-hmm. as an adult mm-hmm. Rather than as a child, that makes the child feel, like you said, the responsibility. I remember when I was back in college, well, I did I, I didn't see that transition. It was more when I got married mm-hmm. that my mom started talking to me like, like an adult, mm-hmm. like somebody else, that you know, like an adult. Their culture piece peace is taking yeah. place
2: there. So my yeah. parents being immigrants from Haiti, when they left their parents' house, that was to get married. Mm-hmm. So when I talked about going away to college, they were like, oh, no, 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 no. And I'm like, yeah. and then it created this tension in terms of like, well, this is what I'd like to do. This is a good school. And they're like, oh, it's too far, And it created issues between us. Mm-hmm. And it closed the line of communication. But until we were able to get to a place where they learned more about the school, they did college visits. They actually met people who worked there, people that I'd be interacting with all the time. They felt a sense of peace mm-hmm. to kind of let me take that next journey outside of the home. Mm-hmm. Whereas for them, that was very different because in their homeland, it was when you get married, that's when you're an adult. Mm-hmm. So there are definitely important cultural factors taking place there that we need to take a, into account. Mm-hmm. I think the key here, too, is our, oh, the whole helicopter piece is what drives that is fear and anxiety.
4: Mm-hmm. And what is it that drives fear and anxiety? Lack of knowledge. Mm-hmm. So we feel a sense of apprehension mm-hmm. because there are we don't know what's gonna be faced in the future. We know in the eighteen years because we were able to control a lot of the components, mm-hmm. we don't know in the future. But you're going to decrease the anxiety by increasing the knowledge. And how do you increase the knowledge again? By coaching your kids early on how to prep for the future. They're gonna face how to make decisions on their own budgeting, how they make decisions mm-hmm. on what to wear, who to go out with, who don't you know, what to eat. So try to prep them before during the 18 years, little bit by little bit, stop doing things for them so that they can make decisions. Let's raise kids that are able to think critically to make decisions. Mm-hmm. That's going to increase our comfort level because we know that they're going to be able to make decisions. You know, we saw them. We experimented mm-hmm. with them. We saw them with little things, being able to make decisions. And so later on, when they're adults and they're ready to be released, we feel more comfortable and we are not as apprehensive. Love that.
1: Okay, so we're going to move forward, and we're going to jump into our last scenario. Experiences I could probably develop when kids are actually at the university. This is called Mentor.
5: And over here is Peter's. It's where my language classes are. On the top floor, there's a bird sanctuary. On the roof, there's a big telescope for the astrology classes.
7: Wow, this is so nice. I'm so happy you're enjoying your time here, sweetie, but... What? Well, it's just, it seems like this is a bit of a hippie place, you know?
5: Excuse me. Are you Clyde's mother? Yes. Oh, Mom, this is Professor Raymond. This is the politics
7: professor you're telling me about?
5: It's lovely to meet you. Your son is a wonderful student.
7: Nice to meet you, Professor. Call me Richard. So, Richard, you're the one putting all these ideas in his head.
5: Ideas? Well, that's certainly what I try to work with.
7: You know, we come from good heartland American values. We don't believe in all that anti-capitalism stuff you're on. Mom! Mom! No, I'm happy to be meeting the man who's turning my son into a communist.
5: Ma'am, if I may. You trusted Clyde to be here by himself, right? He doesn't still live with you anymore.
7: Yes, that's right.
5: So it's up to Clyde to seek out new ideas. And it's up to us to introduce them to him.
7: But what kind of ideas? It seems like you have a whole
5: agenda here, mister. Ma'am. I'm here to learn on my own. Professor Raymond has been helping me to get Become to Become know- a
7: communist?
5: Mom, I'm not a communist. I'm more of an, an anarcho-folk centrist advocating a more equitable wealth distribution doing classes. <laughs>
7: Did you teach him all those words?
5: Books taught him those words. I just taught him how to approach the books.
7: So you're brainwashing him. What is this, your power trick?
5: <laughs> I assure you, I'm not interested in any power, ma'am. I'm just looking to teach your son how to approach problems in ways beyond what he may have learned growing up. Mom, college is about learning how to think, not just memorizing facts. I can Google facts. Not if
7: we stop paying for your phone. Mom,
5: Ma'am, if I may, I can tell you're a woman with convictions. I admire the same thing in Clyde. And now I know where he gets it from. Kudos.
7: Well, we taught him to be strong-willed.
5: That's right. I have to head to a meeting now. But I have to say it was nice meeting you. Enjoy the rest of your stay. See you in class, Clyde.
7: Okay. What is with his hair?
1: Well, that was an interesting scenario. So we heard Louise getting a tour by her son, Clyde, at his university campus. And she happens to meet the professor and a mentor to Richard. But she's not happy. What is the fear that's kind of developing here with the mom? Dr. Alicia?
4: Well, first of all, I think a lot of parents out there probably could identify with, with mm-hmm. her in the sense that, mm-hmm. the, you know, you nurture, you educate, you really work very hard for a long time, and then your kids go off and they learn ideas. You may or may not agree with the ideas that they've instilled, and then, you know, you're just going, okay, they have a different child now, has different mm-hmm. ideas and concepts, and so she's reacting to it. So her fear is that her son is gaining ideas that are contrary to her values, and so she's speaking up about it. I think the good thing is that she's speaking up about it and she's saying what her concerns are. I don't think that's a bad thing. I think that that's a good thing to speak up about her concerns and I think it's okay for the discussion to be put out in the table. You know, now the thing is that her son is going to need to own his own ideas and feelings and she needs to own her own ideas and feelings but if she's got that wrestling inside of her being able to speak up about it and that is in effect good communication to be able to say what her concerns are. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean that the faculty is going to change his mind or that he's going to do something different or that her son is going to go a different pathway. But I think it's actually a good thing when we're able to have conversations and not hold on to them. Now, her son might not like the conversation. He might feel like ashamed, you know, like, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, here's my mom telling, you know, the, the faculty member. But at that moment in time, it seemed like he ran into them and it was, it was okay. I mean, I think that's the adult part of us to be able to have those conversations. I think the opposite happens that we hold on to things that mm-hmm. we don't like and then we go back and air them outside of it. But not being able to speak on to it, then you just release it, right? Speak on it, and then you release it. It doesn't mean that you're going to coerce or change somebody's perspective, but being able to at least identify it is an interesting concept. Yes, and you mentioned something really important, maturity, right?
0: Mm-hmm. They're going into adulthood. Now, Dr. Jian, at the university, have you had this experience with parents who feel threatened or have this fear about the influence that their kids
2: are getting from professors or peers? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I do see that a lot on the college campuses. I have parents who see these contrary ideas. These ideas are contrary to her values. And what that means is she sees them being a threat to her own identity Mm -hmm. and she holds on to them so close. And so what's happening here is that. She feels like she has to crack down on the things that her son is learning or the professor or even confront the professor in which who is mentoring him. Mm -hmm. And so instead of talking about like, I feel uncomfortable or I feel like you're learning about new things that make me feel uneasy or uncomfortable, instead of having that conversation, she wants to just close the door and that be it. What she needs to realize is that college is a great opportunity for us to learn about new things. We can sometimes hold on to it or sometimes say, yeah, that's not for me. Mm -hmm. Encourage her son that he has agency in terms of learning things and seeing how that fits with his own worldview and values. I think also having a conversation with her son, are these your values or what do you think about all of this? How does this fit in terms of your Perspectives of the world, or how we see, say for this example, capitalism within our communities or within society. So I think this is a perfect opportunity to initiate that conversation and to talk about how you feel about it. But then also say to your son, "Hey, I respect you. You know, maybe these don't line up with how I think or see things, but this is an opportunity for us to learn from each other."
1: Great stuff, Doctor uh, Jayan. Now. Just like views and ideas can change, so can majors. And and I've seen this a lot when I go and I do uh, pep talks at the universities and colleges. I have sometimes I have students come up to me and say like, "Hey, I wanted to do this, but I feel like it's not me. Mm-hmm. I want to do something else." And I try to guide them the best way that I can based on my experience because I went through the same thing as well. Now, some students can get excited about a certain thing, but then once they're there at the school, they discover that their passion is somewhere else, mm-hmm. and they want to change their majors, which can like, instill fear in them, especially if they want to bring it up and talk to their parents about it. How can parents avoid having a heart attack, almost, when they <laughs> learn about their student's decision? Dr. Gia. That's
2: a great question. Yeah. And that actually hits home for me because I was a person who had four majors. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we had a. I didn't know what I wanted to do. And I wanted to be in the service field. I knew that. And so coming from the background that I come from, my parents saw successful careers as nursing, doctor, engineer or lawyer. Uh-huh. And they basically were like, I want the four years. I want you to get out and have a job. And that was Pretty much it. And so, under my parents' advice, I became a nursing major. And I realized, yeah, that's not for me. With each major that I kind of went through, I realized what I was passionate about. And I think one of the most helpful things that I gained from them was their support. Mm-hmm. And their confidence in me that I would figure out somehow, some way. And so having those two important factors really empowered me to make good decisions, empowered me to have conversations with alumni and faculty members about what is it that I felt called to do or felt like I'd be really good at or had a good a good foundation, but then also take classes and have internships that built upon that and gave me great experiences and skills. And so I think my parents' trust in me and their support really made a huge difference in terms of my abilities to problem solve some of the decisions that were coming up, but then also use them as a resource to kind of bounce ideas off of. Um, and then also have their expertise in terms of, this is how I did it, and this was what helpful for me, but how is it for you? So turning the question back on to me. It definitely is part of my story and how I got here.
0: And I think many uh, students will probably relate to that, but Dr. Laos, many parents are spending their money. Mm-hmm. This is, uh, it also comes mm-hmm. down to, to the money, that the big bucks they're <laughs> spending. Obviously, if, if their son or daughter comes back and says, you know, after two years or whatever, I decided to change my major, they're probably going to
4: get upset. Yeah. But what can you tell those parents? It's very costly, right? Yeah. You can empathize with parents. I mm-hmm. mean, it's the cost of education is definitely not something to take lightly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The The hard line and the rigidity is what makes it really hard when we just go, well, that's it. And mm-hmm. it's absolutely no this way. And this is the only. But we create some kind of um, a room in there where we say, hey, I understand it takes a while to figure out what what you want to do when you grow up. And that's a process. How about you know we have some leeway the first year, mm-hmm. you know when mm-hmm. we know that that can happen, but let's define it. And there's also, you know you know, you post secondary education in mm-hmm. future. and so it doesn't have to, you know, t- why don't you stick through it, try it out. And that's not the end of education. We live in a country where you can continue to pursue mm-hmm. educational avenues when continue to grow. I mean, I know seventy year old that graduated the other day from. That's right. From, so you can continue mm-hmm. to. So it's like let's not think that this is all. This is the only chance you have mm-hmm. to define yes. who you are and what you're going to do, mm-hmm. and perhaps create some kind of room where that can mm-hmm. happen. But then come to an agreement that says, you know, I'm going to pay for this, and it's very expensive, mm-hmm. and let them know, let them in on how real this is, and that we don't live in an age where we can just take this education for granted and just be there forever, you know. I think if you have that kind of conversation, they can understand. And you obviously have to figure it out. Every child is different. I also would want to add that sometimes we just do the pathway of a BA or BS, mm-hmm. you know, that that's the pathway. But some some children and some kids are just better vocationally. They're more hands-on, mm-hmm. and that's also a good opportunity. So as parents, we also have to work with the strengths of our children and help them be able to succeed, and they're going to succeed in that which makes them happy, and that may be a vocational degree in, in welding that's good. That's honorable. That's good work. So let's work with our kids and create pathways and opportunities where they're going to succeed in doing different
2: things, not just the traditional work that maybe doesn't even help them be happy, right? One of the things to help empower students too is just with like resources. So Mm -hmm. some students might go into college might not knowing that this is, I'm better hands on. So every college has a career resource center Mm -hmm. and there you could take assessments, surveys, shadow people at jobs and internships, talk to alumni in terms of what are they doing, what helps them do their job well, what makes them passionate about their job, and maybe through those assessments and talking to a career counselor they might say, you know what? I think I might be better with a with a two year degree and going into welding, yes, rather than doing the whole four years and then figure that out later. So it's also encouraging your students to utilize the resources that are already there on campus that their student activity fees is already paying Mm -hmm. for, essentially.
0: Well, there you go. The resources are there, so might as well use them Mm -hmm. and find out what you really want to do. Right,
1: (laughs) of course. Well, this has been an interesting conversation. Thank you so much for sharing your knowledge with us, Dr. Gian, and of course, Dr. Alicia Laos. Thank you. We would like to invite everybody to take advantage of something that we have for you guys. We have the Struggle Is Real app and you can download it and share it with your loved ones, friends and colleagues and mentors or whoever you want to share it with.
0: That's right. You can also follow us on social media with the hashtag The Struggle or hashtag TSIR for relevant blogs, tips and more.
1: And talking about downloading, we also have the Family Bridges app with more resources for the classroom or personal use.
0: We've got a lot of resources, don't we? <laughs> this was The Struggle Is Real. Thank you again for joining us I'm Veronica Avila.
1: And on behalf of Dr. Jian and Alicia Laos, I am Omar Ramos. Till Til next, next time. time.
0: This was The Struggle is Real by Family Bridges. For more ideas on parenting, get your copy of The Struggle is Real by Drs. Paul Meyer and Alicia Laos on FamilyBridgesUSA.com.